So uh, if you've got a Bible, we're going to look at uh, the book of Ruth. We've been rambling through Ruth, and uh, this is the fourth and final ramble, chapter, chapter four. You know, there are some talks that are really clear and have very clear headings, and then there are the other ones I do. And uh, this is one of the other ones. So, <laughs> so we've been looking at Ruth uh, chapter, chapter four. And um, in, in this chapter, Ruth's a foreigner. Uh, She's got that against her in the culture of her day. She's a woman, so she's sadly got that against her in the culture of her day. Uh, uh, She's a foreigner, and um, she's a Moabite, which was not only the fact that she's a foreigner, but uh, Israel had recently had a big war with them and just thrown off, so they're the oppressor. So she's got a lot of things going against her. Not only that, but she's turned up with her father-in-law, and all the men in her family have died. So the people in the village are thinking, there's something wrong with this family. They're cursed, the evil eyes on them. There's all sorts of cultural things going on. So she's not in a good place. And she says earlier on in the book, uh, or her mother-in-law Naomi says, we've come back empty. We've got nothing. It's not a bad place. It doesn't feel pleasant, but it's not a bad place to get to in life. When you feel, I've, I've reached ground zero. I've got nothing. There's no hope for me. Because that's when you start thinking... Well, I might as well trust God. There's nothing else and no one else that can mend this situation. And that's what, that's what Ruth does. She says to her mother-in-law, your God will be my God. Because somebody could reach that decision this morning. I don't really understand all this stuff, but your God can be my God. I was in Germany, well, I don't know, whenever it was, a while back this month. And uh, a guy at the end came forward. Two people came forward. One came forward and said, I need to know this Jesus. That was great. She'd started the week as an atheist. And another came forward. And it was great. He said, I don't have a clue what this is about. But I need to be part of this family. This, this family of God. I don't have a, and I thought it was just lovely. I don't have a clue, but I'm in. Just wonderful. And that's what happened to uh, Ruth. Uh, the name Ruth, by the way, in, in the Hebrew language means friend. It's great. So she goes from a, a tribe who's an enemy of God and God's people. She goes and, and, and she's transformed in the course of this story. And she's now saying, I, I want to be a friend of God. And she was a friend to Naomi uh, too. So we got to chapter four and uh, really the other big character now takes the stage. And his name is... Boaz. So I won't recap the whole story, but um, uh, it's all on the internet, on the website. Uh, at least I assume it is. So I think you can find the talks there if you want to look at them. They're called A Ramble Through Ruth. So let's read chapter four. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer, family redeemer, kinsman redeemer, sometimes called, he had mentioned, came along. Boaz said, Come over here, my friend. Sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town. That's like the town council, the older esteemed men in the village. And said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who's come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. 
for no one has the right to do it except you, and I'm next in line. I I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, "Ah, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. Strange, but true, and much cheaper than solicitors. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Marlon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today, you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrata, that's the region, it means fruitfulness, and be famous in Bethlehem, the village, which meant house of bread. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. They're referencing very fruitful, famous families in their history. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, that's Ruth's mother-in-law, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Well, there we go. So Boaz has already declared to Ruth, she's been vulnerable. She said, will you care for me? Will you look after me? She could have been shamed and rejected. But Boaz, being the good man he was, said, no, I'm going to do everything you've asked me to do. And he's now got the the right. He was the first in line to buy up the property of the deceased guys. And uh, there's there's a law there, I think I might have explained it last time, that, that because of how important land was for the families in Israel, if if you died, then your brother had the right to and and even the responsibility to continue the family line. Because Land and family were incredibly important to the Israelites. So he had the responsibility and the right to buy the land. And with the, that, that land came the responsibility to marry Ruth, the widow, and continue the family line so that her children would then inherit part of the family property. That's the sort of situation. I hope that makes uh, sense. And property transactions were witnessed in the gate of the town. 
because people were passing by who could witness it and the elders, the leaders of the village used to assemble there in the gate. That's where the business was done. That's the town hall, if you like. And so at first, the man who's next in family line, he thinks, goody, all he can see is money, property. I can expand my holdings. Oh yeah, I'll I'll redeem the land. I'll pay the widow off. It will be my land. (laughs) But Thank you, Ken. What he hadn't considered was, what about a future child? And, and you can imagine him going home and telling his wife, I've got some more wife, uh, some more land, darling. By the way, this is Ruth. I've <laughs> uh, got some news for you. She's also my wife. And so, so and, and he's thinking, he's thinking of ahead of also, of course, okay, if I, if I have children by this second wife, which wasn't illegal in those days, not advisable, usually goes wrong in the Bible where there's multiple wives, but, but if I have children by this second wife, then when I die, okay, he gets his land, but oh, he also not only gets the land of the widow, this child to come, but also, he gets a share in the property I already own with my children. And that's going to upset my family. And, and so he, he can't get his head around all this. He, really, he's doing it for property, not for love. That's the so, sort of long story short. So he says, nah. He, he pulls out and he, he, he does this strange thing. He, he takes off his sandal and hands it over. don't want to get too near mine. But anyway, that's what he does. It's a strange sort of uh, thing, but that was, that was the custom at the, day, at the day. This whole redemption thing is strange to our ears. It's in, uh, you can read about it for those that are interested in doing the research. It's in um, Leviticus 25 and Deuteronomy 25. And in Deuteronomy 25, verse 5 to 10, it talks about taking off a sandal as a, as a public declaration that you're relinquishing your rights. I suppose it just prevents anybody, because there's witnesses, saying, oh, he gave me the rights. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, yes, I did. So it's a public, it's a public thing. It's an odd thing to do in public, isn't it? Take off your sandal in front of witnesses. and get So everybody in the future, there'd be no dispute about it. We saw you take off your sandal, give it to this man. You've given up your rights of ownership. And, and in fact, in, in Deuteronomy 25... If the kinsman refuses to do his duty to the relative and the land, the lady is actually allowed to rip his sandal off and spit. I know, even stranger. It's not done amongst us very often. But Boaz could easily afford the land and, and that's what happens. Boaz now has the right to pay the price. And uh, I, I think it's, it, Boaz is just a great guy. And there's so many parallels between Boaz, who redeemed, who rescued Ruth, who paid the price so that she could have a a future and a hope. So many parallels between him and Jesus, as we will see. And and Boaz, notice he wants to do everything properly. I know that's a really ordinary point. Boaz is acting not out of duty, not out of greed, but out of love. But he does it properly. He does it in the right way. He does it. He, he assembles the council. There's no shady dealings. He gets witnesses. Everything's in the open. And just in passing, I, I just want to say, let's, that's a really good principle for life, to be transparent in all our dealings. 
As a church, we're trying to be transparent. If you want the accounts and you're part of the church, you can look at the accounts. You can ask Dan for them. You can go to Charity's house or Company's house. They're at both. You can have a, have a look. It's really important not to do anything in the shadow. It's important in our personal dealings as well, isn't it? To be in the open. I don't mean tell everybody your business. I mean be clear. Have integrity. It's a word you don't hear too, too often. I was talking to a guy a while back who works for Linklaters, a really big legal firm in the city of London. And he said, what I've, what I've discovered is Christian values make good business. I think it's great. Those, those, you know, there's only very few of us work for the church. Most of us are in the world. Christian values are good work values. Things like integrity, things like doing what you say you're going to do. Things like turning up on time. Things like being honest. Things like apologizing when you can't do something you've promised to do. Doing nothing in the shadows. All sorts of things go on in work life and business life. Whatever you lose, don't lose your integrity. Be like Boaz. He does it all in the open. Let's do this properly. He didn't actually know whether he would be able to get Ruth or not. Someone else was in line. But he deals with it in the open with great great integrity nothing in the shadows and in the end the love of God overcomes his will overcomes all you know you never really know Boaz didn't know what was going to happen don't know if you think it's easy for us to read the story I, I don't imagine he slept the night before I mean what what would happen if this other guy just wants the land what happens if he says okay I'll I'll pay he loses the girl oh can you imagine the the, the stress of it the only time I've ever gone off my food was whether, whether, when I wondered whether Debbie would want to marry me or not. I expect Boaz had a night, because like, I really love eating, but uh, <laughs> I expect Boaz had a sleepless night, because he's, he's human. You know, you never know the results of your plans, do you? You, don't, you can have plans, you can have dreams, you can have things you're attempting to do, may work out differently may take a lot longer. You may fall short, but you can bring to God the outcome. And he can, he, he'll work it out. He'll work it out. And in the end, it could be even better than your plan. So at the end of this transaction, Boaz announces to the growing crowd, because they're all fascinated. This is, oh, it's one of those sandal times. Ooh. Uh, so there's a big crowd around. He announces that he has bought it all. And I know we wouldn't use the phrase, but he's also acquired Ruth, although Ruth has actually proposed to him anyway, so it's all okay. Uh, so he, he's, he's got Ruth as his wife. And uh, she's no longer called a Moabitess. She's now fully part of the people of God. And so Ruth gets a whole new identity by the gift, the free gift of Boaz. Does that ring any bells? That's exactly what happens when you become a Christian. You receive by the grace of Jesus, by what he paid, a whole new identity. And there's so many reminders of, of Jesus in the book of Ruth. He, he, first of all, it had, had to be someone who was a relative. That's why Jesus came and became fully human. Because to rescue humanity, to rescue men and women, there needed to be someone who was the same. Someone the same who could live a fully human, perfect life for us. And then pay the price. He was a, Jesus is our kinsman. He's fully like us. You know, the Bible says he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. I know he's the boss, he's king, he's lord, 
But isn't it, isn't it, isn't that amazing? Jeez, I do all sorts of things I'm ashamed of that you don't know about. Ha <laughs> ha. But, but Jesus is not ashamed to look at those who trust him and say, hey, you're, you're my family. You're my brothers and sisters. Jesus was fully resourced, just like Boaz was. He had, he had, he led a perfect life and died a sacrificial death for us. He didn't hesitate at the cross to go the, the whole way to pay the price. He was determined like Boaz was. I'll settle it today. I'll do it. He went the whole way. And, and the wonderful thing is, we're familiar with us belonging to him. But, you know, Jesus gives himself to us. You know, when I got married, we promised each other, or, you know, all that I am, I give to you. Something like that anyway. And vice versa. Debbie, all I have. So, so Debbie gave to me and we... we owned together you know all her savings account i contributed a beaten up austin allegro it was it was a great transaction from my point of view and i got the girl yay but jesus you know we often think about salvation being forgiven our sin forgiveness salvation as something like a donation from jesus something separate to jesus no when you become a christian what you get is jesus it's, it's, so, so becoming a Christian, getting saved, it's not something, it's not something just, it is a gift from God, it is a gift, but, but actually Jesus gives himself to you. When you say, God, I, I need to be rescued, I need to be forgiven, I need my shame taken away, I need to be free from this fear, however you tumble into the kingdom of God, what, what Jesus gives you is himself. He gives you himself with all his righteousness. That's what he gives you. So all he is, is yours. Have you ever thought about that? You know, all those times when you think, my prayer life's not up to much. He gives you his perfect prayer life. Oh, that's all right then. Don't feel so bad. No, no. no. So you want to pray, not because you feel, feel guilty about not praying, but because he says, I've done it for you. Now come and join me. He's always praying for us. I let, join me. You get him. He's perfect righteousness. He, he gives you. It's not like, well, I'll, I'll forgive you all your sins so far, but don't be naughty anymore. Although he does say that, and he does help you with that bit by bit. Now, he gives you his perfect righteousness. Have mine, he says. You ever feel you can't quite make the mark? Can't be the only one. No one's nodding. Dishonest bunch this morning. Yeah, we're always feeling we can't quite. He made the mark for us. He had all the resources. He's our our righteousness. That's good news, isn't it? I don't have to stand before a holy father trying to cobble together a righteousness of my own. He's given me his, all his merit, taking the place of all my demerit. He gives himself to us. He's not separate to oh, I'll give you a little bit. Oh, now I've got a couple of bits of salvation here. You know, you have that and I'm on my way. No, he gives himself to us. The Bible says this, when you become a Christian, your whole life is hidden in Christ. That's great, isn't it? That's why the New Testament uses that little phrase, in Christ. I don't know if you've ever spotted it. You're surrounded by him when you give yourself to him. Everything he has belongs to us. He gives himself. And it's a done deal. When Jesus said on the cross, 
it is finished. I've done it, fully paid. It was very similar to the, the handing over the, of, of the sandals. It's done. It's a done deal. The sandals been passed across, if you like. The crowd were absolutely thrilled about it. You know, there's one big difference, lots of parallels between Boaz and Jesus. One big difference is this. Boaz was applauded and they were thrilled for them. Nobody applauded Jesus when he gave his life to be our kinsman redeemer. Nobody. The crowd were jeering, not not cheering. Nobody passed over the sandal and said, well done. You've purchased a people for God. Now they ripped his sandals off and put a six inch nail through them. That's what happened to Jesus. And like in the Old Testament where the widow could spit, they spat on his face and hit him and said, well, who did that to you? Nobody recognized him, but he did it to rescue us so that we could be at one with him. The bride of Christ, if you like, the church of God. It's a wonderful, wonderful parallel. Jesus our redeemer and then uh, as is natural in the way of life uh, ruth was enabled to conceive there's fruitfulness there the lord enabled her to conceive it's often said in the bible fruitfulness comes from god and naomi is cared for too new life new grandson she's absolutely thrilled to bits fruitfulness comes from god physically and spiritually Sometimes we think, oh, well, we can do this and we can do that. We can do very little, really. We can, you know, we're like a farmer who sows a seed and waters a bit. God gives the growth. Fruitfulness, physically and spiritually, comes from God. The Lord enables us to be fruitful. So I'm, I'm grateful for the camp last week. Um, and it, it's a mystery, isn't it? It wouldn't have happened without a team of people, but it all happens because of God. Without God, we're baking in a field. That's it. That is it. That's it. We're working very hard and getting tired. Then we come home again. But with God, all things are possible. Fruitfulness comes from God. That's why we pray, isn't it? Because we're joining in his thing. Nothing. Without me, Jesus said, without me, you can bear little fruit. He didn't say that. He said, without me, you can do zilch. Nada. Nothing. No fruitfulness. Fruitfulness comes from God. And God was at work building family. I, I, it's very funny, the, the purposes of God, how, how he, he does these great things. He's got a huge world plan. And this little story in a dusty village is part of it. We, you, we don't know what we're part of, do we? We don't know. We, we, we see such a little thing. There's one foreigner worried because she's maybe starving to death. One widow who doesn't know where her next meal's coming from. And yet it's part of God's big, big purpose god was at work building a family line god loves families he he, he loves families he loves yours and and mine and he's at work in our lives like he was work dramatically in their life this is the family line of the kingdom of israel it finishes off with the son of this and he had that and he had that and then came king david ultimately you know this is the birth line of our lord jesus it's interesting, isn't it? Well, I find it interesting anyway. If you go to Matthew 1 verse 5, you, 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 re, you read there about, you know, this person and that person, that person. Uh, you know, the interesting thing is the two ladies in that verse, one is Rahab, who was a foreigner and possibly a prostitute. And the other was Ruth, who was a foreigner and, and part of the enemies of Israel. And they're there in the, the, the genealogy, 
genealogy, that's the badger, got caught up in genies, in the genealogy of Jesus. See, you don't know what you're part of, do you? You don't know what your children, your grandchildren will do. We don't know what some of the kids out in the, in the, in the kids' work, we don't know what they will do, how they'll be used by God. It's, it's hidden from our eyes. But this, this Bethlehem, this house of bread, was the birthplace of Jesus, who stood up and said, hey, I'm the bread of life. If you want eternal life, you need me. Amazing, isn't it? In Ephrata, the place of fruitfulness. Later on, he said, yeah, if you, if you live close to me, you'll bear fruit, much fruit. It's amazing. We, we don't know what fruit will come from our decisions to serve him. Just, I find it thrilling, really. You don't, you don't know that little decision you make to go God's way, not your own way. That's, that's what this story is made up of. I'll go and work hard in the fields then. And it just so happened that she met Boaz. Oh, okay, I won't go back to my people. I'll, I'll go God's way. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. It's a, it's a big decision, a big turning point. She didn't, she didn't know that she would, in doing that, she would be in the family line of the saviour of the world. She had no clue. We don't, you know, and can I say, you don't know. The next time you know, say no to sin, the next time you speak to your neighbour, the next time you stand up for righteousness, the next prayer you pray, you don't know what ripples that will have any more than they did. What fruit will come from your serving, your ministry, your decisions to serve him. So that's, we're pretty well out of time. So, so what? Well, let's wait in faith. But we don't know what's going to happen. We know the one who does know what's happening. His plans work for good. And here's the funny thing. They work for good when they've gone wrong. I know. That's, that's not necessarily good logic, but it's good theology. God's plans work for good when they go bad. They still work for good. Let's wait in faith. Let's be like Ruth and learn to embrace our new identity. It's not, oh, no, it's, oh, I started going to church. Well, that's great. And it may be that's where some of us are. But how about this? I've, I'm, a, I'm a new person. I've become part of God's new tribe. That's even better. Hey, how about this? All that Jesus has is now mine. I've, I've got some stinky bits in my life, but, but Jesus has given me his righteousness. Everything he has is mine. And let's believe him for fruitfulness as we walk in, in, along with his family, shall we? Can I pray for us? And then we'll, we'll finish. Lord, thank you for this story of Ruth, this person who is a stranger to you but became your friend, this person who was just loyal to her mother-in-law and, and learned to trust in you. Father, some of us, our lives are going okay some of us have got lives that are upside down. We're not sure what's happening. We ask you that we would be able to wait in faith, trusting in you, believing in you, believing that somehow you can turn all the chaos in our lives for good. We believe you, Lord, that as we make sometimes difficult decisions to follow you, 
to trust you that you will make our lives fruitful. That you will take our church family life and cause it to be fruitful for your glory. And we thank you for the new identity that you give us when we trust in you. That you don't just give us some theological truths, important though they are, but you give us yourself, Lord Jesus. Help us to understand who you have made us to be. Thank you for the amazing truth that you are not ashamed, just like Boaz wasn't ashamed. You're not ashamed to say to us, hey, you're my family. And we thank you for who you've made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.